How many ready to go on a mission trip and change the world? Change your life, change the church, and change the world. That's what 10 Days Mission. If you have a desire, I'm showing you that because we're going to be showing it to you uh, a few more times in, in December. We're going to have an interest meeting. Who's interested in going on a 10-day trip? All you're going to need is a passport, $25 registration, and a desire and some faith. And that's what we're talking about today, placement. How are you going to go from here to there? You go by faith. Because some of you are saying, I don't have the money to go to Madrid, Spain. Right? I don't either. But I have a God who does. We have a world conference coming up in October in Cape Town, South Africa. And we just had some of our leaders just come back. They opened up the registration for the South Africans. 2,500 people already signed up, so we have to sign up quick. Do I have money to go to South Africa? No. But God does, because he'll meet all our needs, according to whose riches? Not first financial bank. God's richer than him. That's a resource. But dream big. And we're talking about big deal. It's our third week in installment, talking about placement. First week, we talked about the promises of God, but God has given us a promise, a covenant. Second one, talking about the power of uh, possession, power of the promises of God. Today, I want to talk about the placement, how we go from where we are to where God wants us to be. Because we all have, remember, we all have a destiny in Christ. We all have a calling from God. If Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you have been called in to change the world, wherever you are. And placement is so important because God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And that's not comfortable sometimes. And when we talk about the children of Israel, they're about to embark on going into the promised land, a new land, a new culture, and they're going to go into a new way. But they have to learn to let the old go and embrace the new. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse Verses 8 through 12. It's Moses talking to the children of Israel and letting them know about what they expect in this new place they're going. Because remember, after over 400 years of slavery, they're free now going into a new place, new land, new regulations. It says Deuteronomy, verse 8 says, You shall therefore keep the whole, everyone's a whole commandment and I command you today that you may be strong and go and take possession of the land that you're going over to possess that you may live long in the land that the Lord that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring I love generational transfer a land flowing with milk and honey for the land that you are entering take possession of it is not like the land of, of Egypt from which you have come where circle that word you where you sowed your seed and irrigated like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you're going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks the water uh, up by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God, what, cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. How many love new things? How many love new beginnings? But they're about to step into a new land, a new beginnings, nothing they've ever seen before. He's the guy is talking about bringing the children of Israel into the promised land. He was showing them what kind of land and the place it was going to be. Place to bring them in that was ordained and blessed by him. 
in the same way we are blessed when we are in the place that God wants us to be. Not where we think is right or what is beneficial for us. How many know what's beneficial to me is not beneficial to God? How do you know what's, that could be convenient for me, but it's not covenant with God? So there's three things. There's new land he talked about when you unpack this passage. First one is a place of obedience. How many love the word obedience? Nobody. <laughs> Neither your children. So land of new things. And the last one is a, new, a, new, a land of security. Obedience, new things, and security. God is preparing a people to cross into something new. You know, God always prepares us before he takes us into something new. When you read the Bible, it says that we go from faith to faith to faith. That's a new level of walk with us. The first one is verses 8 and 9, a place of obedience. If you look at the verse 9, obedience gives strength. Says so when you obey, you'll have strength to possess. Because you need to take that, take the land and also run those out of the land. And also, I love this. Long life to enjoy the land. You know, growing up, when your parents saw, you know you want to live long? I said, yeah, well, you better behave. Never knew what that meant until I got from my first beating. <laughs> you ever hear that? You want to live long? Obey. That was Bible. I just wish they taught it out of the Bible, not with the belt. <laughs> Bible's a lot better than belt. And you look at it when we unpack this, this first part. You know, the level of their possession was directly tied to the level of their obedience. Children of Israel, when you get down into Joshua, they, were, they came into the land, they went over to Jordan, but all of a sudden they start slowing down because they start disobeying God. And then when they disobeyed, they start to dispossess. Our obedience of taking whatever that is is tied to the possession that God has for us. Now, the word possession is kind of unique when you look at it in there. It means to give, to leave for, which God left the land for them, to occupy and also to inherit something. We all have an inheritance from God. It's nothing worse. You know, dying is not bad. Dying is not the worst thing in life. The worst thing in life is walking around without purpose. That's the worst thing. And not knowing you have an inheritance that you didn't open the box that God has for us. But to inherit something, we have to go there. Everyone say go there. And their disobedience led to the the disposition. When I was studying this, there's a word that we all have trouble with that causes us to have trouble with our obedience. The word trust. You know, trust and obedience are inseparable. Because what you trust, you obey. And trust, especially when you, you come in, you want to go something, somewhere new. And you have a pass. And if you don't trust God that happened, what happened to you 10 years ago, it's hard to trust him fully today when he wants to call you in something new. If you have a relationship blow us back here and you're afraid to move into something new he has for you because you need these people to go where God wants you to take you. When I started looking, I started looking at my own life. And, you know, at the age of 13, somehow 
the psychologists and psychiatrists thought they can sit me down and tell me everything about my life, and I would be okay with that. They were able to sit down and tell me, you know, you didn't know this, Rich, but we need to tell you. Well, I knew I was in a foster home because no one looked like me. Well, we need to tell you about your parents, your biological parents. You know, they were both in jail for stealing, and they were on heroin. Now, I was born in Grasslands Hospital in Mount Pleasant, New York. You can Google it right now. It shows prison. It's not a big hospital. And you were born addicted to heroin. So that's okay. And you were put in a home in a little shelter for a little while, and your first family came and got you. Okay. But not the family you're with now. Really? Yeah. The family you got, actually, they took you back because you were too dark. Whoa. Okay. So 13 months later, you became a foster child of Ludie and Thomas Yule, where I grew up. See, when I, last week we told you about counting your blessings because you don't think your blessings count. My first salvation was with Ludy and Thomas because I could have been statistic like anybody else. But my mom took me, and I remember going up to the clinic, the public clinics, and getting the ice cubes or getting the cubes of sugar with this, this medicine on it. And I remember sitting like this all the time. And, 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 that's why I'm so hyper. And, you know, and I couldn't hold my head up because I was drug, you know, trying to take me off drugs at 13 months. And then I lived with, and I had no idea. Now, I hung out with foster kids. And here's the thing about foster kids. When you have them, the parents, they knew what we were talking about. Their, their um, style of punishment is if you mess up, we're sending you back home. We're sending you back to the state. Wow. Talk about insecurity. Never heard that. Never heard that. The parents I was with, I lived in all types of neighborhoods. Knew all, it was a melting pot. That's where we grew up. They were both from Alabama. They didn't say black and white or Hispanic. They didn't matter to them. And I, do my, I did my thing, and I had to go and go see my real grandmother and my real sisters and hang out with them for a little while, and I had to take off and go. And you had free dental. You had free, you know, in them days when I had dental now, they didn't use Novocaine. It was a state. Now, the state don't pay that much for Novocaine. They just sit you there until they smell smoke. And you, man, this hurts. Just sit there. And that's when they strap you down. Anyway, I'm okay. It's all right. (laughs) And I grew up knowing I was different, but I was special. Then my parents, my mom told me she had cancer. And she died when I was a junior in high school. And then my dad, six months later, walked in on him because he didn't talk much. Went to, I was working, going to school, came back. He uh, passed away at night. Well, he had a stroke at night. I went out in the morning, came home at night. Hey, Dad, he didn't wave. He was watching the Met game. He's a Mets fan to the end. And God, we got Chicago, Chicago knows that. <laughs> um, and I came out, and I, and I pushed him. He fell over. So next thing I know, my mom said, here's the emergency, call him. So 
he died. Senior in high school. Had to finish high school in a, just in a uh, fog, go to college, get a job. And at the same time, I had to hear what the psychologist said, since you were born that way, you're going to wind up a drug addict. But don't, don't worry about it. You just, that's just how you are. So I just started taking the identity they gave me. So when they died, and I said, okay, wow. Tried to go to school, went to college, got a lot of money. Bought a car, got in trouble, got in real trouble, went broke, dead broke. And uh, my sister, who's not here, who's deceased, came to my house because I, I was eating corn out of a can. And she said, uh, you're going to, um, what are you doing here? She grabbed me around the neck. What are you doing here? So June 26, 1978, I joined the military. Now, here's the greatest thing about it. That was my second salvation because the boy became a man. And then I had great career and had some trouble, but I did great. And my clothes got robbed one day, and I was in Las Vegas. I wanted to go home, and godly man said, you're not going home. I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to work because I don't want to be here. And then I ran to my beautiful wife, who I prayed for when I was drug addicted, when I was taking drugs back then. I, I prayed to God for a wife that would love me. And I walked in there, and I found her, and the rest is history. Now, the reason why I'm sharing that is because in the midst of that, when I really started sitting down with God, I knew where my trajectory was going down with my family. But when I'm talking about generation to generation, God saved me to break the mold. And everything that happened back then has prepared me for today. See, I can say, well, I'm and then everyone asks me, would you do it all over again? Yeah, I guess I got to because I wouldn't be who I am today. So when you're talking about trust and obedience, now, did I curse God? I kept on moving. I said, God, you're real. Show me you're real. I don't believe this thing. Do it, you know. And the first one who taught me about Jesus was my mother as a Sunday school teacher. Wow. Talking about divine appointments in the midst of crap, I would call it. But I don't call it that no more. I call it the midst of blessings to prepare a man to stand here and share his whole soul to you. So when you talk about blessings and all that, don't look at us like we have it all together. We don't. But I have a God who does. So when we look at disobedience, success and blessings and wealth, what happened to me, some of the things that happened to me, wealth are not the things we seek after. What I thought when I started feeling a little better and I knew God a little bit, I was chased after the success and blessings versus chasing after what the Bible says, God and his kingdom. So you might have came from nothing, but you're going to be something if you chase God and his kingdom. Matthew 6, 33 says this. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. And whose righteousness? His and all these things, the success, the wealth, the money, the blessings shall be added to you. If you go before, then it says, I know what you need. Stop crying over what you need and go with what I want you to do. Now, I'm a perfect project for Dr. Phil. And sit there and blame every, the state of New York, blame Sydney, blame Shirley about who I am. Thank God for salvation, even when I did not even deserve it. That's the power of Jesus Christ himself. 
That's the power of God. And how do you stay without words insecurity? Because that comes up. It comes up a lot. Foundations and freedom. Consistently. Obedience. A place, wherever he's taking you, is a place for you to obey. Even when you don't understand it. Even when it's not comfortable. Stay there and obey. Because he's not a God of convenience. He's a God of covenant. When I don't understand them, it's the best part because now I'm walking with them anyway. So when it comes to obedience and trust, you have to trust God with all your heart and soul and know he has your very best in mind. Then you will walk with him when he calls you to walk with him. Not just a Sunday walk, an everyday walk. You got to trust him so you will obey him. And I had to learn to trust him. Because I had no one else to trust. Everyone talked to me, but when God spoke to me, boy, it made sense. All of it started to make sense. I told the guys when we were driving home, I said, you know something? God knew what was in our lineage. Tried to destroy my family. But guess what? He forgot about the remnant. His name is Richard Brown. Now, if no one else has that name, I have no idea. Except there's a Sterling Brown and a Keisha Brown and a Brown and a Brown and a Brown. A new lineage of the covenant from generation to generation. It didn't stop. You come out of a mess. Are you in the middle of one? You're perfect. You can kill that and start your trajectory up this way. I'm off the notes. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Takes me to the next thing. A new thing. A place of new things. Every year talking about, he was trying to tell this, the Israelites, he was contrasting Canaan and Egypt. Once a year, the Nile River would overflow. And they would have to build canals. Not the Egyptians, the Jews had to build canals to water the crops and work on it. And they had to do wheels of water, well, a water uh, turbines with their own feet. They were slaves. God is telling them, that's where you're coming from. Where you're going is, you, have, you, are, you are relying on the resources of the land. Where you're going is, you can rely on the source of the land, me. See, well, wherever, where God, everywhere I want, God takes me, there's a resource he cuts off. So I learned to trust the source. Now, that's not comfortable. Because you go from depending on resources to sustain you versus the source to sustain you. And it's hard to let go because it's predictable. And going walking with God sometimes isn't predictable, is it? Because you have to, you got to, they had to rely on him to bring the rain in the season, not when they knew it was coming and they could maneuver it. You know how you get so comfortable with God and you're maneuvering everything and all of a sudden goes dry? Know what he's saying? <laughs> yeah. Come on over here. It's just too simple. See, Christianity wasn't built. I get become 58 and I just sit down. If I'm doing the same thing I was doing last year, God, shoot me. That means I'm dead. I'm just walking. I'm a walking dead. If nothing's changing in my life, and you, just walking dead. The same thing all the time, just shoot me. We're not going anywhere. It's the same. You can, I did that last year. Did that the year before? Man, 
Drive another way home. It's not about that. God takes us from glory to glory to faith to faith to those who want to hear and go. And it's not comfortable. It is not predictable. When we go and do, go out and do evangelism, you have no idea what the answer is going to be. But you know the God who knows the answer and the seed that was deposited. And he does that on purpose so we will not take credit for it and, make, and, and try to write a book. Ten ways to make a disciple. Right? Doesn't work. The only way to make a disciple is Jesus. We got to let go of the old and embrace the uncharted new, the uncomfortable new. It's not comfortable new. It's not predictable new. Where they were, even though they were slaves, it was comfortable. It was predictable. I get up, I serve them, and they were looking forward to the Egyptians feeding them. That's why they had a hard time in the desert, because the desert was unpredictable. All they had to do was get up in the morning, here's some manna, here's some water. You going to give me the water? You going to bring the manna? Uh, no one's going to feed us? We want to have the garlic. That's what they always said because they went from predictable to unpredictable. There's only unpredictable in our eyes, not in God's eyes. Because he will sustain you forever. Like Miss Dean said, never was begging for bread. Why would you? Because my relationship is not Predicated on my circumstance. It's predicated on a loving God, all powerful God. Philippians 3, 1, 13 and 14 says this. But not, this is Paul speaking. But I don't consider that I made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's talking about reward. He already know he's saved but a reward that God wants to continue pressing. I learned, I looked that word up a long time ago. It's like a spring. When you press, you got to continue pressing. If you let go, it'll fling you right back. But you're pressing for something. And what it is not forgetting, it's a present tense when you're talking about forgetting. You're always going to have to forget that which is negative. But we cannot let the past obstruct our process or our progress. See, those things I shared with you, they can, in the wrong context, if I'm not on my game, and I'm not really walking with God, they can become a hindrance of, in my progress. I walk around in constant insecurity that people will let you down. God doesn't really love you. All these things that you went through, this is all there is in life. But I realize and say that is a stepping stone to where God has me for tomorrow. Because the only one you want to hear from when you suffer loss is someone who has suffered loss. And the way God uses us, we are the test subjects. To show his what? Glory. To show his covenant. Not too many amens on that. And that word straining forward means fully extended. Fully extended. You know, when, you, when I used to play football, you know when you get hit the hardest? <laughs> when the, the quarterback and his so-called rifle arm was out of position and throwing it all up, and you fully extend to go up. In those days, they hit you because you were just jumping. Now they're not allowed to touch you. I understand that. But when you're fully extended, who gets hit the hardest? 
And he had to catch the ball and get going. And then first down, go to the next one. See, that's what life is in faith, fully extended to all God asked for us. Paul knew he had some things he was very ashamed uh, of and some things, because you know, I got to understand, Paul had to walk around with insecurity. He could kill half the Christians, and I know everyone he met with. You know when you killed that guy? You know when you're part of this, the death of the church and the death of uh, members? You remember all that? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Jesus is real. Well, we don't believe you. He had a pass. That's why I love it. When people, I don't want to be judged people because people have, we have a past, but people have a future. We all have a past. So when you're talking about a place of new things, it's new things. All things are new. All things have become new. That place that God wants to take each and every one of us is new and it's risky. But the problem is the pressure is on the promise, not on me. Which takes me to my last point, a place of security. Although the Israelites were a slave in Egypt, they remember they had stability and predictability. Now, the new land was going to be unpredictable, like I said earlier. But you know something, when the way he put that, because we long, how many long for security? And how many know we serve a God who's in control of everything? That's why you're talking about the sovereignty of God. When I say that, when I was in Bible school, I thought that was just a catchphrase until I started looking at my life. God, you're sovereign. Shouldn't even be here today. Shouldn't have been here when that kid raised up that, that sawed-off shotgun and, and fired it, and he just said, click, right in my face. Shouldn't be here. You say, Pastor Rich, I thought you grew up holy. Yeah, I did. Full of everything. That's why God's graceful and he's amazing. That's why I look at problems. What's really problems? Sometimes we're fighting over the carpet, please. That's why God's teaching me, right, Elder Terry? He's teaching me grace on that, right? Because your nose is running. Just wipe it. Anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm melting down because your nose never. Okay, I'm regressing. <laughs> I told you I was going to get to that point. But God gives us security no one else can. I was laughing this week. It was, we had our night of worship, uh, <laughs> and I was up here jumping around. You have no idea what happened to me three days later. I mean, yesterday, next day. I'm, that's why I'm not running around so much. I hurt my hip. <laughs> so, but, you know, in the spirit, I can do all things. But when it comes down to the flesh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Motrin! But I felt so secure to jump up and down in his presence. That happens to you. You do things beyond what you think because you know you're loved and you're truly gifted, truly blessed by him. And something overwhelms you. It doesn't matter about your physical limitations. You go beyond that. It's okay. We had a great day yesterday. It rained, and I took motion all day. Probably will this afternoon. But praise God, if they're going to be doing it, I'll do it again. Place of security where we feel secure, and know that you're loved by the most fantastic God in the world, even before you said I do to him. That's why I can tell you how sovereign he was. I should not be here. I love John chapter 10, 27 and 29. It says this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. You know he knows you? That's amazing that he knows. You try to hide from him, I won't tell God. He knows you. 
That is so cool. And they follow me. That means faith. I give them eternal life and they will never what? And no one will snatch them what? You're in good hands with all state. You're in better hands with God Almighty. Come on, somebody. My father who has given them to me is greater than who? I love the word. What does all mean in the Greek? What does it mean in the Hebrew? What does it mean anyway? There you go. And no one's able to snatch, it says again, out of my father's hand. Here's what the writers say. How God, Jesus is using just the Trinity together. The, the oneness he have with the Father and the strength that they have together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is the same strength that we can rely on. Even by the Holy Spirit, we weren't smart enough to say, I do to God. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. With the Holy Spirit, you stood up and said, why am I even standing up? That's how a fixed fight it is. When God wants you, you got to remember, the new place is Obedience. Obey. It's a new thing. You never tried it before. Where are the risk takers again? Taking the risk. Jumping off the hills. We like to go to movies. I love that movie. That's great. Let's, let's make a movie. And secure that you know God loves you and he's had you in his hand. Even when you're blowing last night, today he has you in his hand. Josh, come up before I don't finish. That word, never perish, in the Greek, is a double negative. It means shall never, no, never, never. Eternal life is forever. No, never. That's a guarantee. My God is stronger than the devil. He might try to tickle me when I was a little young man, but God had me in his hand from here, from 12 to 50 to 100. I guess I'll be 100. Still walking around. All the way from a 13-month-old kid, born to hospital, born to jail. The world says, another statistic. God says, my child needs a deliverance. Foster home. Need a deliverance. Thank God for the military. I became a man. From then on, he never leaves you or forsake you. And we watched God do amazing things in me and Ms. Don's life when she got out in the military and became a social worker. And God told her one day, go, unpack, go pack up your office. And she said, I want, and don't tell Richard. <laughs> pack up your office. So he packed up the office. And someone came and said, you know, you guys are going to inherit something quickly. And she got, a, she got a call from Dias. She forgot she put in the job for Dias. And we had, in our struggle in that year, because we were struggling financially, we gave over $10,000 to the church. And the job that she got equaled what we gave last year. A $10, how do you get $10,000 a year raise? Because she said yes. Was it predictable? No. She could have just dropped out and said, God told me. But she walked out by the eyes of faith with God. See, Christianity is not something that was static. 
That's what the children of Israel, they could have sat, they were having problems with their past. About, you know, this, and it was better that way because unpredictable scared them. But when God's in the equation, there's no such thing as unpredictability. It's God ability. Everyone stand. Close your eyes. What dreams has God given you, especially as adults? What dreams have God given you that you're afraid to step out? What's that new thing that he's calling you back, us back to a deeper level of trust? See, when I taught, sought after all the wrong, the things I thought I should have to replace all those things I thought I, grew, I missed when I was growing up, I went there first verse and go to God first. Pick the wrong relationships, pick the wrong job, pick the wrong thing until I let him start doing the picking. What's those dreams and those visions that the devil told you it's not going to work? You messed up. You missed it. What is that? And God's saying right now, bring them back up. Step out. It's always a new thing. This afternoon, 1 o'clock is a new thing. The call you need to make, the transition you need to make, it's a new thing. Where's fear racking your, your soul? Where's insecurity racking your soul? Those are things that constantly rack my soul. But I always have to go back to the identifier, which is God himself, not those who identified me. Someone might have said something over you. They're a liar. They're not the identifier. God is the identifier who gives identity. What's holding you back? Is it fear? Is it insecurity? If that's you, raise your hand right where you are. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you.